Do you know how to align your faith with your finances? Hi, this is Rich Robertson, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Whether you're looking for faith-based financial solutions or ministry resources to guide your growth, we offer the services you need without forfeiting great rates. Lutheran Church Extension Fund offers borrowing solutions for rostered church workers and congregations, support services for unique ministry, and investment products that serve the church. Learn more at lcef.org. Why should we expose our young children to a variety of activities so their God-given passions can be awakened? What are the eight great smarts? How do we discover and nurture our children's intelligences? My guest today is Dr. Kathy Cook. She's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids and an internationally celebrated speaker and radio guest. Today, we're talking about her book, Eight Great Smarts. This book is packed full of practical, hands-on guidance and will help parents tailor their parenting style to bring out the best in the unique children God has given them. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Kathy, for being our guest today on Family Shield. I'm really glad you invited me to be on. I'm looking forward to our time. Oh, I am too. Uh, having uh, read through your book, I I find it fascinating. It's entitled Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. Tell us, uh, just summarize a little bit about the book before we get started on kind of talking about those eight great smarts. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks. You know, the old question would have been, am I smart? And I think the answer is yes to every child. I tell kids that stupid is their choice, but God did not make them that way. Um, Another question, um, how smart am I? And that allows me to think, well, I'm smarter than you are, which is that bully, you know, playground language stuff that's so, so sad. The better question is, how am I smart? And so what I unpack in the book is Howard Gardner's understanding that all of us are created with eight different ways to be smart. And because smart is a power word, all of our kids need to know that they're smart because then they will achieve the qualities and the kind of life that I think God intended for them to have when he created them. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, let's unpack those eight great smarts. Um, let's start with word smart. Explain what that is, and uh, we'll, we'll spend as much time as we need to on each of them. Okay, fabulous. Um, word, when we are being word smart, we think with words, and if you excite us, we talk or we write. It's the first one that I usually address because I call it a school smart, because what do we do all day in school? Um, even adults who are in a, a learning environment, we read, write, speak, and listen. So children who have been given a lot of brain cells in the word smart part of the brain probably find school, traditional school, easier than other kids do. But it's not necessarily the most important smart because we all know people who did really well in school and are not doing very well at life. And we probably know other people, right, who did not do very well at school and are acing life. And that's evidence that all eight of these matter. So again, all of us have all eight. When we're being word smart, we think with words. Okay. Good. And uh, what about logic smart? Yeah, logic smart is also what I call a school smart, because when we're being logic smart, 
we think with questions. And that's another thing we tend to do all day in school, ask and answer questions either through discussion or through written you know, tests and quizzes and paperwork. And um, these are the kids who probably like math and science because they love to explore and discover, and they love it when things make sense. And so behavior is also really important to them. They might be the ones who say to a parent, you know, why do we have this rule? And how come you let her do it and I don't get to do it? Mm-hmm. They have an internal sense of justice and fairness. Good, good. Logic smart. Logic smart. So the third one is picture smart. What is that? Yeah, maybe you know people who think with their eyes, they think in pictures. They tend to be more creative visually. They might be into traditional art and design. They might doodle and draw when they're excited. Um, They also enjoy fiction and history because they think in pictures um, up in their head, if you will, and also on paper, they, um, they tend to see what they read. So, like, as an example, I don't read a lot of fiction. I'm much more of a logic-smart thinker. I'm, I have more brain cells, if you will, in the logic-smart component of my brain. So although I'm word-smart and I read and I write for a living, I don't really enjoy a lot of fiction because I don't see the action come alive in my mind. Mm. But if you have kids who can't put a good book down, maybe they also are creative writers and they're used, they, they use adjectives and verbs really well, that's probably because they're created by God to be very picture smart. Mm. Uh, just thinking about social media and the games and things that the young children play today, can playing them help them be picture smart? That's a great question, Kay. And I would say yes. The answer is yes. I, for two reasons. I think that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of gaming because I think we should be paying attention to people and there's evidence that suggests that even things you learn in a game setting, an app for the ABCs, as an example, that information doesn't stay as long in your head as it does if you learn it with people. So I don't necessarily want people to think that I'm in favor of gaming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, you are correct that gaming um, awakens the picture-smart part of the brain. Mm-hmm. The earlier that we awaken each of these parts of the brain, the greater the likelihood it will be a strength for a lifetime. And because so much that's available on the World Wide Web and um, through gaming is visually appealing to kids, mm-hmm, that's why mm-hmm. they like it. It's mm-hmm. colorful, it's quick-moving. Um, there's, you know, interesting fonts, for instance, that are used, and all that's going to appeal to the picture-smart kids. So that's a great question. Good, good. Well, the next one is music-smart. Uh, what is yeah. that? We're the ones who think with rhythms and melodies. And so we might sing in tune, we might play one or more musical instruments, we might enjoy music. All of these intelligences start as interest, and then if the interest is appreciated, then the ability may show up as well. Um, So, uh, yeah, in this generation of kids, too, very music smart, right? Because there's music available Mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have pods in their ears and, you know, music on their devices all the time. And that's, again, that's good unless it, you know, means that they don't pay attention to people, which would not be good. But um, I really appreciate this model partly because it says that kids who are creative, both with pictures and with music, are smart. These are the kids who sometimes cry with me after my uh, school and church programs where they they never realized they were smart. They Mm. thought they were creative, Mm -hmm. talented, Mm -hmm. and maybe artistic and musical but they thought their brother was the smart one because he's Uh the one who enjoys math, science, and English. Mm -hmm. So we really have a responsibility to say to these kids who are good with art and music, hey, you're smart too, and this is how you've been created um, to to glorify God. It's very empowering when they find that out. That's great. So these are the children that might love choir or be involved in drama. Yes, exactly. And it may be the very reason they stay in school. 
And the other thing that's so interesting, like I'm, I'm formerly very music smart. I actually went to the university. I went to to march in the band. I used to play many, many instruments. I don't play any anymore, but I still enjoy music. And I go to concerts when I can. And the Van Cliburn Piano Competition, which was here in Fort Worth where I live, you know, was a very significant thing for me during the month of May. So that's one of the reasons that I like awakening and strengthening all eight of the intelligences as we can because it's going to add joy to your kids' lives, even if it's not an intelligence that might land them a career, a promotion, or even help them earn an A in school. That doesn't mean that it's not important. Mm-hmm. They're all important. What yeah. about, what is body smart? Okay, Kay, these are the kids who move, shake, rattle, and roll. <laughs> um, so, you know, as somebody who was word smart as a child, I was told, you know, be quiet, mm-hmm. go find something to do. Um, although my brain wasn't paralyzed, praise God. Um, body smart kids are told, you know, sit down, sit down, put that down, look at me. Um, they are the ones that move when they're excited, and they, mm-hmm. they move to think. Um, they get up out of their chair. They raise their hand. They play with their ponytail. They might always always have something in their hand. They'll change the world through movement and touch. They'll be the, you know, the dancers, the drummers, the architects that who are up, mm. you know, measuring and moving. My surgeon was body smarter. He's not. I'm not letting somebody cut me open. You know, who can't put the cut where the cut belongs and put me back together, right? Um, the car mechanics are examples, again, of people who are body smart because they're constantly up and moving and being able to grip and grab, you know, different things with their hands. And so um, movement and touch is important to them. They might have neat handwriting. They might stir all the ingredients for the science experiment, and it stays in the bowl. Um, so it's large motor and small motor. They're athletes, actors, clay sculptors. All those kinds of things are a part of being body smart. Mm. I would think in many schools... especially the younger children that are moving around a lot, which many young children do, uh, could just be told constantly, sit down, be quiet, don't move. And as you said, they think as they move, so that could affect their ability to do well in school, could it? Uh, It's a great conclusion. Exactly right. They, They will not do as well in school. They'll lose interest. They'll lose passion. They won't be able to pay attention when we tell them to stop moving. Now, I'm all about first-time obedience, and I'm all about children being respectful of their um, peer group and of the teachers in the room. So I tell kids, you know, you're not allowed to do something that prevents the teacher from teaching. You're not allowed to do something that prevents the child from learning. You need to find a way to move that's not disruptive. And that's the key Mm -hmm. for these kids is Mm -hmm. not, you know, stop that, stop that. But how can we give them something they can do that involves movement that won't be a distraction to the others. And, and that's our role as adults is to help them succeed according to how they've been designed by God to be. And these kids do need to learn self-respect and self-control and respect for others. And we need to have compassion for them because it isn't easy. So we let them, you know, do 10 jumping jacks between math and spelling. <laughs> you know, we let them practice their vocabulary words pacing in the back of the room with the clipboard if that's the best way for them to do it as long as you know, they can do it respectfully and not, not that it would be a bother to other kids. Awesome, awesome. The next one is nature smart. What do you mean by that, Kathy? Nature smart kids would rather be outdoors than indoors. They think with patterns. That's how they know it's a blue jay, not a bluebird, an elm tree, not an oak tree. So it's similar to picture smart in that they're going to be using their eyes to see. They might use their fingers to feel a texture. They might um, enjoy getting dirty. Uh, and these, these are the kids who are going to enjoy earth science, meteorology, biology, 
more so than maybe general science, physics, and chemistry. And they also might prefer, like in a history class, to study an explorer and not a politician. Mm-hmm. They're very interested in the things that are out of doors. You know, biblically, if you're going to look at spiritual development, these are the kids who might um, actually come to a saving knowledge of Christ through even Genesis and Noah in Psalm 23. And um, the, the planting of the seed on rocky soil versus uh, solid ground. Those kinds of things we can use as well when we're talking to these kids. Awesome. This is great. Now, um, the next one is people smart. What do you mean by that? This is so interesting, Kay. People smart people read body language well. So if you know children and adults who can look at you and they know you're not in a good mood or they know you are in a good mood, that's being, pictures, that's being people smart. These are the kids who walk towards you to ask you a favor and they figure out you're in a bad mood and they turn around. You know? uh, and sure. then you're like, wait, you know, I can help you. And the kid is like, no, not now. <laughs> because they want you to say yes and you have no written all over your body. Mm-hmm. Um, really an important skill. I think that because of texting and social media and, and gaming where eyes are down, and we're not asking kids to make eye contact, this intelligence is maybe being awakened later, and that really concerns me because this is how children will know who's for them and who's against them. Mm-hmm. This is how children know who to sit by in a room because they look like they might be friendly. Um, people, smart people, also think with other people, so they talk out loud to others to help them learn. Word smart people talk, but they don't necessarily need an audience, which is really interesting. When we're being people smart, we brainstorm and network, and we're the ones who know what we know when we hear ourselves say it, and then someone responds to us. So we're the kids who might actually do our homework best in the kitchen while you're preparing tomorrow's lunches and getting something you know, prepared for the next day's meal. Um, because if you put them in their room, all they're thinking about is, what am, what am I missing in the den, or what am I missing in the kitchen? Interesting. And uh, the eighth uh, great smart is self-smart. What do you mean by that, Kathy? Self-smart kids, it's pretty much the exact opposite of people smart. Self-smart kids think deeply inside of themselves and they reflect on what they hear, what they see, and what they're learning. So people smart people get their joy from telling what they know. Self-smart people get their joy from knowing what they know. And these are the kids who are quiet, and you might really have a hard time getting them to answer even questions like, how was school? Maybe you've had a child who's never been real comfortable sharing the details of the day. That might not be anything except self-smart. It has nothing to do with an attitude toward you. They simply absorb information internally. They can think that they're slow and not very smart because every question is a challenge for them. Because every question, the answer to every question needs to feel right. So if you, and it can even be as simple as, where do you want to go to dinner? And your adult friend is like, well, I don't know, where do you want to go? I don't know, where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. Self-smart people have a hard time deciding. Um, So for children, it can be a bit stressful. When we're being self-smart, we need quiet, peace, privacy, and space. Four things that a lot of children do not have. Mm. Yeah. Nor do busy parents have those quiet, peace, privacy, and space. And so a lot of self-smart kids, I think, are anxious and may really struggle in school settings because of the number of people who they feel they're responsible to or that they need to interact with. They'd rather work alone than in mm. groups. So teachers who make kids work in the groups all the time 
self-sworn kids can really struggle with that. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's good. Well, I want to make some announcements, uh, Kathy, and then we're going to come back and continue talking about your book, Eight Great Smarts. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Parenting with Purpose. To request a copy, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Don't forget, when you call or write, to give us your complete name and address. We will mail the booklet out to you. There is no cost. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com, then slash Thrivent Choice, or call them 1-800-847-4836. Remember, you must re-sign up on a quarterly basis. Remember that you choose and Thrivent gives the gift. This is not from your assets. It's Thrivent giving the gift, but only members can sign up. We love to hear from our listeners. Send a note telling us how the radio program topics and guests have equipped you and helped you grow in faith. You can contact us at Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015. St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Kathy's publisher has donated five of her books, Eight Great Smarts, to Family Shield, so that we can give them away to our listeners. To be fair to all of our listeners, we do this through a drawing. So if you send us your name and address, by either emailing us at witness2family at gmail.com or calling our response center 1-877-250-8416. Once all of the programs have aired, we will draw five names out of that list and mail the book to you. So we have to have your complete address. Again, we have five books to give away. If this discussion has interested you, please call or write us to uh, get your name in that drawing for uh, copies of her book. Now I want to go back to our program. Uh, Kathy Cook is our guest. She is the author of Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. We just flushed those out. But before we go on with our discussion, I'd like Kathy to tell us a little bit about her ministry, Celebrate Kids. Thanks, Kay. Well, we're based in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and um, we just we love helping parents and teachers um, celebrate their kids for who they are, not just for what they do. We enjoy helping parents and teachers get to know kids through questions and different activities. Um, basically, I'm a public speaker. I earn a full-time living uh, talking now as a chatty Kathy as a kid. That's a pretty cool thing. And enjoy traveling um, the world and mostly the United States, talking in churches and schools and conventions and you know, passing on truth that's, um, I think, transformative. So we're very, very grateful for the opportunities that we have to come to communities, you know, like St. Louis and, and be a blessing. Great. And uh, we will include, if it's not already in there, 
uh, your website, www.celebratekids.com, on our recommended links on our website. I know I've interviewed you in the past, so we'll have to double-check on that. But that way, if they forget what the name of your uh, ministry is, they can find you on our recommended links on our website. And I'll give that information a little bit later. So I'm going to go back to our topic um, uh, and ask, is everyone born with all eight of the intelligences that we just talked about? We do believe that that's the case. The earlier they're awakened, the greater the likelihood that there are strengths. So if you feel like you don't have one of them or you don't have much of one of them, it might simply be that when you were a young child, it wasn't essential, it wasn't appreciated by uh, your parents, and so you never really developed that. And certainly things can happen even in utero that would make um, one or more of the intelligences um, a challenge. But we do believe God creates us with the capacity to develop all eight. That's awesome. So how can a child's misbehavior help in identifying intelligence? Yeah, because I'm sure our listeners are wondering that. Well, how can I figure out? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not essential that you really identify the top four or bottom four, but if you want to, um, what gets them into trouble? You know, as a child, I was a chatty Cathy, and those of us who are word smart, if we're honest, um, we can tease and gossip and name call and always want to have the last word. You know, logic smart kids question authority, always have more questions than you have time to answer. Picture smart kids might doodle and draw in ways that are distracting to others. Maybe they've drawn on wallpaper. Um, nature smart kids maybe get dirty when you've told them not to. Body smart kids move a lot. So um, people smart kids can manipulate. Self smart kids can isolate. So you can look at um, what do they consistently get into trouble doing, and that might identify a strength. Mm. And now what we need to do as the mature adults is not paralyze that strength by, you know, stop that, stop that, stop that, but instead by giving the kids boundaries and teaching them good character and other-centeredness so that they want to use it in good and healthy ways. Oh, great. Now, you talked about uh, paralyzing them, and I had that down as one of the questions, that we can paralyze someone's um, smarts by being negative about the movement that they're doing, I think we talked earlier about that. Would that explain a little bit more about how a parent could paralyze uh, one of the smarts that a child has? Yeah, I'm glad you're asking that because that is a really practical takeaway from this opportunity that we have on your show today. Um, if we are overly critical, if we use a tone of voice that is scary to a child, if we even give them the look that can paralyze. You know, a child, when I wrote my book, I heard from kids things like I was playing the piano and I thought I was doing really well. And then I heard my dad shout, stop all that racket in there. Mm. And I stopped playing. Mm. I, I heard from so many children who drew what they thought were beautiful giraffes or, you know, bears or daisies in a field. And the parent would be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Instead of tell me about your picture, sure, sure. And the kids are like, well, I, I now I, I, I'm obviously not picture smart. I can't draw. You know, kids who ask questions, who are told, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. If you need to know it, I'll tell you. And they stop that logic smart questioning curiosity, which is really tragic. Mm-hmm. So um, we do need to be careful of how we react. You know, as an example, I was a chatty cat as a kid, as I've told you. My parents saw it as a strength to develop not a problem to eliminate. Mm. And that's the power parents have, is to see the things that kids are doing over and over again 
and to recognize there's real interest here, there's potentially going to be great ability when they develop their maturity. I need to be the boundaries. I need to help them become who God created them to be. And um, the, let me let me say this, Kay, that's really, for people who are listening, saying, you know, in their head, they're going, oh, I just paralyzed my child this morning, you know. <laughs> Um, it can happen because we, we do what we know what to do, and we're not familiar with this yet. The really good news is that once the brain is paralyzed, it can be reawakened. Good. And the best way to do that is to apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you think that you were maybe overly critical or you scared a child or you're, you, know, you recognize that you, you never really affirm your child's artistic development or they work in the garden with you and you don't say thank you enough and so they begin to believe that they're really not very nature smart, if you think that's happening, you can apologize and you can ask, you know, would you please forgive me? And that is a key way that a child is going to decide to trust you again and possibly reawaken that part of the brain. Great. That's good. So how does teaching about the eight great smarts incorporate the truth about God for our children? Great question. You know, God is way smarter than we are, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I enjoy talking to kids about is, you know, your brain is the size of a small grapefruit. You know, how big is God's brain? And, of course, that's such a fun question to ask the, the picture-smart children. Um, so I think, you know, God is wise. Colossians 2.3 teaches us that in Christ is hidden all wisdom and knowledge. You know, we need to make sure that we recognize that we are created in God's image, and he is wise, and he is, um, you know, amazing. There's no word to really capture the essence of God we have the capacity to think and think about such things that are biblical and praiseworthy, and, and that would be a core element of this as well, as would um, the whole evangelism piece. You know, as somebody who was very logic smart as a child, I had a lot of questions, and I'm really grateful that my pastor listened to me, helped to answer my questions with the Word of God, not his mm-hmm, opinion, mm-hmm. and that's what eventually led me to a saving relationship with Christ. I know people who have come to faith in Christ through you know, the teaching of Psalm 23 and the, the good shepherd and the quiet water. I know of people who, as people smart, it was small group experiences mm-hmm. that led them to realize that these people are, you know, somebody I want to trust and I'm going to believe that their Jesus is real. Self-smart people will sometimes come to faith in Christ or a maturity in a relationship through journaling and through reflecting as they're walking at a park if they're also nature smart. So we need to make sure that we don't put our kids in a box and think that they can only understand God the way that we understand God. Right, absolutely. We have 60 seconds left, Kathy. (laughs) What else do you want our listeners to know in that very short time? Oh, my goodness, my friend. Um, Everybody's smart. I just want everybody to understand that kids need to know that they're smart. It does if they're if they're a C student, but their C is their A. We need to acknowledge that, and we need to help them believe that they were created smart, like others, and there's something about that that will help them in their future. Uh, it's very very important. You know, kids who are not smart don't study because they don't think it'll help. Kids who know they're smart will study, and that's a core principle here as well. All right. Very good. My guest again has been Kathy Cook. Her book, Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. 
to learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230-015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.